0: Welcome to the University of Adversity. Hey, everybody. Just a quick update for you, all my loyal listeners. Some of you have wondered where I disappeared to on Instagram. My Instagram account was hacked, so I built a new Instagram account. The link will be in the show notes, but I just didn't want to leave you guys high and dry like I just disappeared. Yeah, the the account was taken a couple days ago, and I just thought, might as well make a new account, start fresh. I may get the other account back. I may not, but I appreciate all of you, and I want to be transparent with you and let you know that I have a new account. So please go follow that. It's Lance, L A N C E dot E S S I H O S, Lance dot Ecos on Instagram, and yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm gonna do something different on this one. Have shown more of my lifestyle, have a lot of podcasts, but I don't want it to be fully podcast focused. And I have a video as my first post kind of explaining that. So please go in, follow. I really appreciate you guys, all your support, and share this with whoever needs to know. So thank you very much. Follow me on Instagram. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I love you guys and I appreciate you joining me on this ride. Any of you guys that are brand new, welcome to the family. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Truly, truly appreciate you guys. We're growing. We're creating a tribe. We're doing it. So thank you so much. Super excited to be here today. Our next guest has a simple promise. When you quiet your mind, you can create an epic life that is filled with enlightenment and prosperity. His down-to-earth approach empowers you to rise above the unwanted chatter and negativity of the mind. He says, when your mind is quiet, you will feel the profound peace and your life becomes extraordinary. No ashram required. Our next guest for the last 26 years has been coaching thousands of top performers to achieve enlightened prosperity. His books, audios, and seminars utilize his street tested methodology called the Rapid Enlightenment Process, a guaranteed system to achieve profound states of happiness success in life. So this conversation isn't like the other personal development conversations. This one kind of caught me off guard, but it was a very interesting conversation. My next guest name is Matthew Ferry and it kind of challenged my beliefs on what I think about personal development, law of attraction and all of that. And you know, what's beautiful about that is that not everybody agrees or thinks the same, but I also respect what he says. And that's the thing is that not everybody has to agree or say the same thing. And I think Matthew Ferry does a good job at standing up for the, what he thinks is right and what he has seen in the past of not working and people claiming does. And that's fair. And I really believe it is all individual and you know, certain things will work for certain people. So you guys will like this episode. It's another good one about personal development. My favorite subject, as you probably figured out. If you get value from this episode, please leave us a review. Of course, subscribe share it with a friend, all that good stuff. Matthew Ferry coming right up. Have a great day. Matthew, thanks for coming on, man. How are you today? I
1: am doing well, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. What a, what a great pleasure and a privilege to uh, inspire your audience.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. You know, you're joining us from Laguna Beach. Is that where you said it was? Laguna, right? Yeah, just
1: uh, up, the, up the hill from Laguna Beach in a little town called Aliso Viejo.
0: Ah, beautiful, beautiful. California. So I have a feeling we're about to talk about some cool stuff. This stuff is very interesting to me and I find myself talking about it more and more and more. So you have a couple different things happening, exciting stuff. I would love to just before we get into everything, I would love to hear a little bit of a backstory just to give our audience a little bit of you know, insight into your life and maybe paint a picture for us of how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, for me it started early.
1: You know, when I was about nine years old, I was having these weird experiences where I felt like I was floating above my body and I didn't know what it was. But and I don't know if I was floating above my body or not, but that's what it felt like. And I was having these crazy, profound states of bliss and and anytime I would have the experience and then and then feel like I was back in my body, it just felt so sad. But the you know, the experience was so powerful. That as an adult, I had been, I'm, I've just been driven. I've been driven to find this sort of predictable way mm-hmm. to get back to that, that feeling. Probably the the only way you could describe the feeling is just all is well. Yeah. And I started off in the real estate sales training industry. Well, after a, a failed uh, recording contract, I you know, sort of begged my father for a job. Turned out he was in the real estate training industry and he turned me on to every mentor that he ever had and all the mentors that he wished that he had and and I was always smitten with those mentors that were focused on quieting your mind, being at peace, living in a state of joy and ecstasy and bliss. And and of course it took a while to figure that out. But I, I, I have I've definitely spent a tremendous amount of time trying to figure out how do I help other people get to this place that I've gotten in my own life, which is a quiet, peaceful mind, and then applying that to having an epic life. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it because so many people are caught up in the fast-paced society and the go, 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 and they, they don't value quiet, the quiet time and quieting the mind as much. And it's just as important not more important than the actual drive, the the work ethic itself. You know, like it's so important to step back and quiet that mind down, right?
1: Well, I think for for me, what I I probably have a little just a little uh, different perspective because I spent so much of my early life working with high performance people in the real estate industry. These are people who were um, making millions of dollars, and they were stressed and freaked out and unhappy and wondering when it was all going to turn out. And it really felt like for so many of the people that I was coaching and training, I I was coaching and training them back then on a very specific uh, operating system for operating a real estate agency business. And so I wasn't really working with them on their, on their um, peace of mind and their joy and their, their inner qualities. But that's the thing. It's like, what struck me was what's going on here. You, you made it you've made it and you're frustrated and you're angry and you're upset and you're wondering, you're, you're thinking to yourself, God, is anyone going to find out that I'm a fraud? You know, I, I've made it. I'm revered by all these people, but I'm constantly living in fear that it's, it could all be taken away in an instant. And, and to me, that just felt so unbelievably incongruent and, and such a travesty. And that really drove me. It drove me uh, early on to, mm. to, to, find the way to not only have a quiet mind but to also kick ass and live a great life because you can do both
0: did you notice all people every well most people had the scarcity mindset most people that made it were in that space or or what yeah is that what is that fair to say most people
1: yeah, I would say it. Even I'm going to say it, uh, it based on the methodology that I have developed. So I've developed a methodology called the Rapid Enlightenment Process, and at the yeah. at the heart of this Rapid Enlightenment Process, I started to discern that we have a mismatch going on. There's this there's this weird thing like uh, when I would talk to my clients and I would even to myself, I wanted to thrive, I wanted to grow, I wanted to prosper, and so did they, and Yet, the predisposition of the mind is survival-based, greed. I'm I'm afraid there won't be enough, so I'm going to grab as much as I can as fast as I can. Or holding grudges, like, you know, keep that person away from me. I don't like that stuff. Or I disagree with that. Pride, right? Like walking around like a peacock trying to show everybody that you're something. And, And as I went deeper into my own inner states, I began to see that. We're mismatching the objective. Our, our, our biology slash psychology is from a time when it was imperative to be greedy, to be pride-filled, to be hate-filled, to be a victim, to hold grudges. That was like, if you didn't do that, you weren't going to stay alive. But today, <laughs> no, today there's no need. Today, you're literally, you're literally malfunctioning. Because you're trying to use a survival modality to thrive and it doesn't work. And the crazy thing is, is that when you remove the motivation for the survival mind to talk, your mind goes quiet. You go into this incredible state of peace and flow. And suddenly you're taking bold, creative, audacious actions And for all the people around you, they're like, what? I don't understand. How are you accelerating like this? And the acceleration is literally the removal of the illogical conclusion that you should be fearful.
0: Mm. Yeah. (laughs) It's so, I love this topic, man. Like, me too. It's, oh, before I discovered things like meditation and quieting down and just, you know, actually you know, journaling, stuff like basic stuff like that for me was the thing that really started to shift. Gratitude, focusing on separating from the chaos for a bit. Yes. Yes. Because then when you allow yourself to go back into the chaos, you can, you can kind of feel your intuition better. You can understand how to, how things work and, and, and you don't get as frustrated about things. You know, I can't even explain it sometimes, but is there some stuff that you, that were like game changes for you in this, this direction? Like when you were working with these people, were there some things that you, you applied in your own life that really start, you started to realize and really started to make it easier for you? Yeah.
1: I, I would consider myself a crash test dummy for enlightenment and I was never really um, uh, attracted to the Eastern modalities or rig- religious modalities uh, per se. Mm-hmm. Though I, I'm, I'm positive that many of those leaders were operating from an enlightened state. But I'm going to. I'll start with this idea. It was the recognition that the source of life for me is the source of life for everyone and everything. Yeah, that we're all one thing essentially. With this, there's a. There, this is just science, right? There's a there's some background field of energy and information. We don't know what it is at this moment. We call it the quantum field, but in the quantum field, there is this self-assembling. I'm not assembling, in, none of this is being assembled by me. I'm not assembling any of this. You're not assembling any of this. The thoughts that you're thinking are not your thoughts. They're just happening. There's this automaticness that is occurring and as I as I began to connect deeply with this idea that there is a self-organizing something that is creating everything, all of a sudden I dropped into that thing that I was experiencing when I was nine years old. I dropped into that idea that all is well. And for me, enlightenment itself is—it's uh, not spiritual, actually. It's uh, though you know you you could argue, but it's actually just contextual. So enlightenment is the practice of knowing that all is well. And when you practice, because you don't know if all is well or all is not well, you don't actually know, right? Everything everything that you think about, you made up. Everything you think about is just some, you know, figment of your imagination. So then the question becomes, well, what is my, what's the condition or the experience that I want to have? And I, I want to have an experience where, I'm feeling joy. I'm feeling lit up. I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling enthusiastic. I'm feeling inspired. And if I if I look at, well, if I'm in a, let's you use the word abundance mindset or lack mindset. If I'm in a lack mindset, first of all, typically my assessment of the situation is distorted. So it's probably not true. And second of all, if I'm in that mindset, it actually diminishes the experience that I'm having, diminishes my creativity. It diminishes my my ability to hang out with other people and like participate and collaborate and and you know just be like a a good guy to be with, which creates opportunity. But when I'm specifically practicing the context at all as well, everything opens up. Everything I, like my creativity, my joy, my energy, my enthusiasm, and it doesn't mean Lance that life is not volatile. Life is still volatile. Life is still filled with ups and downs. And this particular body still goes through, you know, dark, negative, terrible feeling states. It still does, but because I've learned to practice that all is well, all of a sudden, it gives me a little, gives me a little leverage, gives me a little leeway to shift myself back into a good direction, a little more creativity, a little more energy. So I think as I look out into the world and I I see the people who have influenced me, that's what I saw them saying, but they never said it, right? They said it in all these, you know, sort of cryptic ways in spiritual language. You know, my goal is to get it out of cryptic language, get it dead in the middle, logical, easy to implement framework, so that other people can have a quiet mind and live an epic
0: life. Is that what enlightened prosperity is? Well, think about it. So
1: that's a good question. Enlightened practice of knowing that all is well. How do you prosperity? Do- practice of doing well. Enlightened prosperity. You are how do- how do knowing that practice- all is well, and you're doing well. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in, man. I'm ready. <laughs> how do you know, like, wh- how do you know if your what did you say, practice and enlightenment, what practice, enlightenment? Practice knowing that all is well. Yeah. How do you do that?
1: Well, it's you're going to start by there's a couple things. Okay, so you start with awareness. So awareness makes you flexible, which reveals new options, and options give you power. And recognizing that your mind is not your friend that your mind is a biological mechanism that is pre-programmed with survival frameworks, like seeing that, really acknowledging it, gives you a tremendous amount of space from it. I call uh, my mind the drunk monkey, and that drunk monkey in my head is really committed to protecting myself, being pride-filled, trying to look good, trying to be smart, trying to be someone, trying to be popular, trying to get stuff. And when I look at the the motivation, like why, why is this nonstop talking machine in my head? Why is it always talking? Number one. And number two, what is its motivation? Ultimately, you discern that its motivation is some aspect of survival. And for me, I'll show you a little chart here. For me, I've created uh, uh, distinctions on what I have seen survival to become with my clients. So you can see down here, greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, resistance, lazy. These are the hidden motives to survive. And when you when you have one of these hidden motives running, it's almost like a program going the drunk monkey in your head is going to be talking hmm. and when you actually resolve or recontextualize these hidden motives and you and you begin to recognize it all as well these things disappear the mind stops talking and shaboomba you go up into a quiet mind state and when you go into a quiet mind state dude it is epic it is it's incredible what happens hmm. it's mind blowing
0: So walk us through more of the rapid enlightenment process.
1: All right, here we go. Step one, you've got to be able to recognize the different functions of the monkey. I I call the drunk monkey, or I call my mind the drunk monkey, like I said, but it has what I call unconscious reflexes. So we think of the mind like we're thinking, but if you just tune in, you see the mind thinks with or without you. It interrupts you. It's judging. It's assessing. It's it's forecasting. And if you try and quiet the mind, it'll even like just start jumping in and start singing songs or feeding you sound bites from the news that day. It's always forecasting what's going on. And that, the, I don't know if you notice this, but your mind actually believes it's psychic, and that it can predict the future. But you, once you see those functions, unconscious reflexes then the next thing to do is to begin to eliminate the motivation for thinking in the first place and when i say thinking i'm going to i'm i'm not going to say all thinking it's there's an intuitive creative kind of thinking that comes through when you are at peace versus a thinking that creates stress or agitation or frustration or doubt or uncertainty those those are the normal kinds of thoughts but Step two is you've got to understand what are these unconscious or sorry, these hidden motives. And then the real work begins. And by the way, people just download my app. So if they go to Matthewferry.com forward slash app, they can download my app. And then there's a, a free section there where I take them through the process of beginning to diminish and pull apart the hidden motives. So, you know, hopefully we can send people there. I think it would be very helpful for people. Yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. Here's the next the next stage though. Your language is all about survival. Yeah. And so you've got to practice a whole new set of perspectives. I call them enlightened perspectives. And an enlightened perspectives very simple. It just assumes that all is well. And then there's this other very interesting component i'm not sure how relevant it is to our our listener at this moment but another crazy thing that happens with an enlightened perspective is that it physically fortifies your body so if you have a perspective for example that that assumes that all is not well and we have you put your arm out like this and then we push on your arm and you make the statement and we push on your arm, no matter what you do, your arm will fall. In other words, this muscle will malfunction. So there's this interesting correlation that I talk about in my book between your physiology and your language, and your language and context will actually either cause you to malfunction, and when you malfunction, you automatically go into a survival state, and now you activate your your hidden modes to survive, or you can use enlightened perspectives, and enlightened perspectives, no matter what you do, whether you believe them or not, doesn't matter, because enlightened perspectives in general are unprovable dogma. They're dogma, just like anything else, except they're dogma that strengthens you. So when you push on the arm, for some reason, beyond me, certainly, for some reason, the arm is strengthened, or the essentially the physiology is strengthened. We could push on almost any muscle, and it's the exact same thing. So you have to take on these enlightened perspectives, and then once you do that, you have to use the fourth component of the rapid enlightenment process, which is called recontextualization. You essentially have to, not have to, but you feel compelled to, recontextualize everything in your life to recognize that all is well. You're living at the height of humanity. You're not in a threatened state. You're in a situation where, all, where everything is good, man. You get to create and do whatever it is that you want to do. You're not limited by all of the, of the dogma and, and information that you're exposed to. Those are illusions. So there you go.
0: How did you come up with that?
1: Thousands and thousands of belly-to-belly coaching calls, essentially. Mm. And tens of thousands of hours of meditation and inner work, and seeking, and looking. I'm one of those people who I don't believe in rules. And so anytime one of my mentors would tell me about something that they were convinced would work to create more peace, I would do it fully. I would do like everything in my power to do it exactly the way that they uh, told me to do it. And what I found, Lance, is that almost everything that our mentors are, are telling us Almost everything is a good idea, but when you really go all the way and you really do it, so many of the things that we have been taught by our mentors don't actually pan out. And and I'm a third-generation personal development teacher, so my father is a guru in his own right in the real estate sales training industry, and his mentor was a man named Earl Nightingale, who damn near invented the personal development industry in the 60s. So I'm a third generation personal development teacher and I will say that of the, the you know, couple hundred mentors that I have had the opportunity to study, a giant majority of the things that they taught were theoretical, but not necessarily practical. So I just, I just used myself it's the crash test dummy to see what would work and what wouldn't work. And then I had this incredible opportunity I had all these thousands of clients over the years who were like, I'll do it. Let's try it. You want know, to see it. They were, they were trying to both be productive and have, uh, and feel good about their lives. And so I had this, I had this incredible opportunity mm-hmm. to experiment not only with myself, but with other people. And that's how it all came about.
0: Explain to me and for everybody listening, what part of the personal development didn't work. Like what part of that? Because it's affirmations.
1: Wrong. Affirmations, for example, affirmations would. Now, I I was so hell bent on affirmations and so into it. I used to have a company that only sold affirmation products. One of my best selling um, music programs is called the Energy Affirmations, and uh, and I was all in on affirmations. But slowly but surely, I started to see that you you're essentially trying to change the effect by dealing with the effect. The thinking that you have is the effect. It's not the cause. It's not the source. The source is in your consciousness. So the, if you're doing affirmations, I'll bring my chart up again, right? If you're doing your affirmations, you're actually dealing right here. You're trying to manipulate the drunk monkey in your head into to changing its tune but the drunk monkey is a function it's not what you are you aren't the drunk monkey mm-hmm. you are a a set of filters and these filters and these propensities are in your consciousness the hidden motives to survive mm-hmm. so if you do your work here you spend your entire life being a positive person let's be honest you've done affirmations and you became more positive right 100 mm-hmm. percent. me too but did you become profoundly certain that you were an infinite being and that all is well? No. Were you doing your affirmations and periodically you do some affirmations and here comes the drunk monkey swinging out of the jungle saying, yeah, right, shut up, Matthew, you're an idiot. Yeah, do you have these moments of incredible um, doubt and uncertainty and fear and anxiety and then you think to yourself, wait a second, I have been working on this for a long time. Why am I having this doubt and this uncertainty? This is crazy. And it wasn't until my mind went quiet for the first time in 2006 that I started to have some of these insights.
0: Okay, so what are your thoughts then when you, when you are... I You know, there's part of the affirmation thing that I agree with, but what about visualization and being in present tense when you're trying to manifest something? What are your thoughts on that? Like, when you're I actually... Are,
1: It's really, it's really, really good. But say what you were going to say so that I understand your comment.
0: Well, yeah, because no, I've heard the same thing. And like, I've done affirmations, I've done all that. But then I've also heard Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about how you want to, if you're going to be doing that, you want to make sure that you're, you're already, you already have the thing. Like you, you don't want to be, if you're trying to manifest something, I guess this is a bit different. Yeah, You are it, right? You are it. Yeah, you are like, you have to be that. Otherwise you're telling yourself that you're actually not, and it comes, I don't know. I can't explain it.
1: Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can take it on with you because uh, Joe's mentors were my mentors and I completely understand where he's coming from.
0: Yeah.
1: I studied. So my mentor's mentor was Earl Nightingale, Earl Nightingale's entire pitch Mm. was you become what you think about which then later got repackaged and repopularized by um, Jerry and Esther Hicks as they were transmitting the message of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the incredible blessing that Rhonda Byrne brought to the world as she took Abraham's message and then created that movie, The Secret and like really blew up the idea. It was really great that that happened. Unfortunately it misses some of the fundamentals. So one of my objectives, like if, if people go and search me on YouTube, they'll see that I have a ton of videos on the law of attraction and on manifesting because like everybody else, I was, I was all in a hundred percent. I was doing it all the way. And, and for the most part, I would say that um, following the methodologies that people lay out, you can you get about 80% of what you think about will come true for sure but there's a huge missing piece. Mm. And the huge missing piece is the arrogance of thinking that you're creating anything. You are what is being created. You are self-organizing. You are a self-organizing energy and information that is, that is creating what you, you can't help it. Lance, you don't know why you are so compelled to to transmit inspiring and uplifting messages to the world through your podcast. You just are, you just want to, it's just like in, it's in you. But if, if suddenly somebody said, well, if you're so good at manifesting, Lance, why don't you manifest building a rocket? You'd be like, right? (laughs) Nah, not because you couldn't, but because it's not what you are. So when we, when we think about this idea of the law of attraction or manifesting, we're really naming an experience that we're having. And the way that I've been able to assist my clients in coming to a place of peace in their manifesting process and to enjoy the ride of it is to know it's not their idea. It's not their goal. It's not your goal. It's not your dream. It's not yours. You are it. You are it. It is coming through you. And you're an expression of it. And if it happens with you, great. If it doesn't happen with you, the idea, the probability is already in play. And you're just one aspect of that probability. I'm just one aspect of the idea of enlightenment on the planet. I'm just one, I'm just one blade of grass but that grass is all interconnected. There's this whole probability of human beings going into what I'll call an inner optimized state. It's just happening. So as we think about the law of attraction, where it fails us is it almost always creates doubt, uncertainty, and misery to varying degrees. Someone like you, someone like me, we can keep our doubt, our uncertainty, and misery at bay. We can we can manage it, but it's there. It's there because you think, what is wrong with me? I'm doing all the things, I'm focusing on all the stuff, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's not happening. And there's two components to it. One is that the idea itself, this this dream, this vision, this goal, is coming through you. It's not it's not yours. Mm-hmm. The attachment itself will, will take you off. The second part of it is, uh, for most of us, we really lose our, our tactical, logical processing when we tap into the idea of the law of attraction. We lose our, we, 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 don't, we don't go, hey, you know what? People who don't believe in the law of attraction create things all the time. And how they create things is through best practices. And they have to learn and they can understand, they have to assemble teams, they have to create systems and structures and processes and procedures. They have to experiment. There's going to be a lot of failure along the way. And and um, ultimately, they might have to declare their project a, a failure, or they get to say that it's a success. So what happens for people who are following these, these quote, spiritual principles around the law of attraction is that we, we sort of lose our we lose our our logic. And we think that there's something mystical going on and there's nothing mystical going on. There is essentially physics occurring and you're an aspect of that physics. And when you're able to tap into that ideas are coming about on the planet and I might be one of the chosen ones for this particular idea, then you can get a ton of juice A ton of joy and happiness and and inspiration from just going after it. But if you're attached to it, if you think it has to be, it's going to be a miserable experience. If you think that if it doesn't happen, it means something about you, you're going to have a miserable experience. It doesn't mean anything. Meaning itself is a human phenomenon. It doesn't exist in reality.
0: But that's just like Buddha. You get to attachment, creates suffering, right? I mean, you get attached, you got to be able to let go of the outcome. Right, I mean, agreed. I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot there to unpack. I'm happy. I got as much time as you want. I'm happy to hang. In.
1: So I, I um, I thought, whatever you want to rap about, my brother. I, the the thing I know is, that I probably present a contrarian point of view, and and yeah, um, I don't mean to, I don't mean to do that. It's just that I've been in the personal development industry since I was uh, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I will say that the vast majority of the of the things that that we are taught in the industry, we're taught those things because they're easy to sell, not because they work. They play on our hopes and our fears and our desires. They don't actually have a tactical, verifiable way of operating. And so, you know, I'm not here to bust.
0: And no, if, you're, uh, everybody's – this the thing is everyone has a perspective. Everyone has a different that's perspective. That's right, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that I'm right,
1: but what I'm, what I'm happy to do is to go up against people and their beliefs and say, let's, let's do it, and the reason why is that's what I've been doing my whole life because I really – I have an objective, and my objective is to, is to demonstrate the, the power of human. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's there. It just is. So I'm going to do everything and I'm going to do it like it's real. Yeah. And like it'll work.
0: Here, here's what my perspective of the law of attraction was, right? This is the thing. A lot of people think you can just sit there and wish for something. and It'll just pop. Like I want money. And it's going to come in and that's not the case. But the way I look at it is I go, all right, this is the thing that I want and I desire. And I'm going to do every single thing that aligns with that thing. And then eventually you'll get there by, and if you don't, and if you don't, then you have to accept that it's not linear, that you may get taken somewhere else. And that's okay. Because, so that's my perspective is that I know there's some there, there where I, where the end goal is what I want or I desire that I know that probably won't be exactly that. But you're right, I think people get attached on the goal end goal and they forget about the journey ahead of them and that that may take them somewhere that's different than that, right? Well, th- that's, that's the, way, the way I, my perspective is I'm gonna do whatever I can on a daily basis to do things that align with that vision, right? That feels right. And if things get taken a different direction, that's okay. Because I'm not worried about, the end outcome as much, does that make like that's that's my perspective on it because it, way, it's, good. it's a good the, perspective. The secret was like it's a little bit. I like I like what they're talking about, but it's there's too much about there's too much like I wish for this, I get that. But if you if you have that visualization and you have that goal and you actually do the work every single day, then and you it, are it may sure, it may turn out. Yeah.
1: It it might turn out, and there there are so many probabilities that one cannot see. Our our perception sure. is too is too narrow to see all those probabilities. And and Lance, listen, my clients are some of the most successful people on planet Earth. I work with top salespeople, CEOs. I work with Grammy Award winning artists. You know, gold medalists, billionaires. You know, innovative entrepreneurs and i will tell you that following best practice and then adding your brilliance to it makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. and what people often call uh, luck is really just the person in a completely prepared state ready to go they're just ready and they're also um attractive and optimal and interesting, and compelling, and, and I will tell you that all of that stuff gets amplified mm-hmm. when you release your need to do anything, and you just follow those desires, you just acknowledge, there I have ideas and desires that are coming through me, some of them are really practical, I'm going to go for, some of them are really abstract and weird, and I'm gonna, maybe not ready for those yet, but just really allowing the inspiration to come through you. Like when you do that, when your mind is quiet enough that you're not in a survival state, that you're not trying to prove that you're good enough or prove that you're worthy or prove that you aren't a fraud or, or a mass cash so that you can be a baller, right? When all of that stuff falls by the wayside, the speed at which you create is ridiculous. Mm. If you, it's so simple, right? If you want to get something done, ask somebody who's really busy, Why? because that person's making it happen. Now that's a, that doesn't necessarily apply to what we're talking about, but it gives you a sense of it. When you are in a peaceful state and you are in the present moment, and simultaneously, you're a creator, you're a make it happen person, that combination is deadly.
0: So would you say that the, what you're saying is if you're not in that state, you're kind of shutting off the tap, so to speak, like the like too much resistance kind of thing. Is that what you mean? Like if yeah. you're if you're not, what you're talking about, like a flow state. So if you're so if you start worrying too much, and start you know being obsessed with the result, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice. Is that is that what you well, mean?
1: Well, let's uh, let's be honest. Okay, um, stress, anxiety, yeah. uncertainty, fear, anger, resentment, grudges. This is the world we live in, bro. This is the way that, they, that people have been getting done for ages. So we don't want to discount the power of anger and upset and frustration. Those are phenomenal, phenomenal drivers to get things done. And if we look around in the world, there's like 95% of the things that got done is because someone was pissed off about it and changed it. So we don't want to like paint a picture that it's all rosy. What we do want to do, what you're doing and what I'm doing is we're saying, hey, we don't actually need to get pissed off and be angry and upset and be pride-filled and try and prove to the world anymore. Mm -hmm. We can actually, we have the, for the first time in human history, we have the opportunity of being completely at peace and creating Mm -hmm. for the first time ever. And I know that you're compelled to, to bring this message to the world is by checking out what you're doing and me too. But let's not be delusional. Let's not mislead the people out there in the world to think that frustration and doubt and, and anxiety and stress and all of that aren't great drives to create. They are, at this point, the most successful drives that we have. It's just that we have a new opportunity. Do we you have think, a tool. Go ahead.
0: No, do you think that, okay, so I, there's different levels of belief in people, right? So with those tools, those old personal development tools, is it fair to say that maybe the reason some people it didn't work for is because the lack of belief in the actual thing? Because it has, like, it has worked for some, it, has worked for, it hasn't for some. But it all comes down to that feeling of belief. If there's a shred of doubt that you're not going to get something, chances are you're not, right? So is that fair to say, though, that somebody that didn't get the thing Maybe they just didn't believe to the level that they should have believed. That is that is that a is that a factor, or is that? You know, if because- I want to
1: sell you some personal development and I want to make you feel like shit, that's what I'll tell you. Yeah. But if I want you to to really succeed, then I'll be honest with you and I'll say there's going to be moments of incredible uncertainty, mm. and you're going to be in mid project and you're going to think to yourself. What on earth did I get myself into? Then the question becomes, and this is where this is the work that I do: Do you have the skill set to pull back from all of that anxiety, that essentially a survival-based reaction, to acknowledge it all as well, to go back into a state of peace, and to tap into that creativity, that knowing, and that trust to continue forward? So it's it is. It's terrible for us to tell our listener that you're if you don't have the belief, it's not going to work out. Uh, you're not going to have the belief a lot. Then the question is, do you have a skill set in place so that you can very deliberately restore your calm, be in the uncertainty, the volatility, the not knowing, the failure that that just exists in life, and in a very relaxed, effortless fashion, find that next action, find that next choice. I was just on the call this morning with one of my coaching clients, and this person's already incredibly successful. I mean, he's, he's probably worth 50 or $60 million at this moment. And what we were discussing is that his general way of dealing with a problem is going ballistic. And that works, going ballistic. but He also is admitting that the cost that it has to his experience is is unbearable. Like he's miserable while he's doing it and he expends tremendous amounts of energy and all the people around him are like, they're walking on eggshells. Oh God, is it gonna go ballistic, right? So they're not at their best. He's not at his best. The environment itself is malfunctioning. And because that's happening, it actually slows his progress. And what he notices is when he's able to utilize these this new skill set that I'm teaching him, he can stay in a more balanced state. The people around him are like, oh, okay, everything's gonna be okay. Then the collaboration, the ideas, the functionality, the, the decision-making, it's all enhanced. It's all it's all optimized. When you're in a stressed state, when you're freaking out, when you're when you're experiencing negativity, you make bad decisions. You become a pain in the ass to be with. It's harder to work with you. You don't collaborate as well. You don't see all the possibilities. Sort of like this, Lance. When when you activate a survival state, and when I say you activate, that's a little, that's stretching it. A survival state gets activated, right? Because it's automatic. Your focus goes like this. It shrinks down. why? Because you wanna run away from the tiger. That was real 500, 1,000 years ago. It's still in you, you're still programmed for that. So what we're trying to do now, like this next phase of our evolution, I'm gonna say, I'm proposing next phase of our evolution is to honor the ground that we're standing on. We're standing on a ground of incredible certainty. You're gonna live longer than all of your ancestors probabilities right you're going to live longer than all of your ancestors your your basic needs are met you're not dealing with your own survival and food and shelter and is that tribe going to come over the mountain and and you know steal all of our resources we're not we're not in that mode anymore but our we're we're hardwired for it so when you're when you're activated in that way all of a sudden your entire system gets myopic Run away, attack, kill, fight or flight. What we're trying to do is go into this enlightened state. All is well. And when you do, everything opens up. You become more creative. You become more courageous. You become more empowered. Mm -hmm. You experience more joy and fun in life, even when things really suck. And you know what? Life really sucks at times even when you have a quiet mind, even when you've practiced being a joy, even when you've done your affirmation, your visualization, your gratitude, life will come and bitch slap you. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. So the question is, do you have the skills to regain your composure and come back into a state of balance quickly? And that's what the rapid enlightenment process is. It's just a very tactical way, practical, to get back to an optimal inner state. Because I don't know if I answered your question. I yeah, I know,
0: for sure. Is, so what about your book? So you got one book, Quiet Mind, Epic Life? Is that That's my main
1: book. I, I also have an old book back in the day when I was only teaching salespeople. And that one's called Creating Sales Velocity. And it's essentially how do you maintain consciousness during sales? Meaning how do you stay out of greed and pride and manipulation and stay in a, in a really integrous state? with people and I talk a lot about attraction by the way in that book. But Quiet Mind, Epic Life, that's my main jam right there.
0: Cool, man. Wow, very uh, very interesting stuff, man. Very uh... and you have a mastermind as well, the Ignite mastermind? Did I
1: I do, yeah. The the, the way that my life works is uh, we have private coaching clients. Typically I work on Wall Street or with CEOs. You know, most of my clients are they're already the most successful people in the world. And my job is really to help them to embrace that they've already made it. Then we have a mastermind and our mastermind is entrepreneurs and executives that are, you know, they're, they're already have a great life, but they're striving for that next level. And, you know, we go and we travel around the world and, and hang out and, and meditate, do cool, fun things like that. And then, then we do books and and videos and podcasts and stuff like that to inspire everyone else that we don't get a chance to work with.
0: Awesome man. Where can everybody find you? Where's the best place to check you out? I think the best place is
1: just go right to my website, matthewferry.com and it's M A T T H E W F E R R Y.com, matthewferry.com.
0: Awesome. Is that a is that, Matt, is that a common name, the two Matthew and Ferry? I feel like it'd be like a super common name, like I think it it is. You must've got the domain. You got it.
1: (laughs) A long time ago. (laughs) I I think I did my
0: first internet based business
1: before there was uh, the internet. It was a, it was only message boards back then. Uh, Yeah. yeah, As soon as domains came available, I bought
0: mine. Cool. We'll have everything in the show notes, man. I really appreciate this. It's it's, it's great. I love having different perspectives. That's what this whole journey is about hearing different, and it, it, it always allows me to learn a little bit more as well, hearing different perspectives on things, you know, and, and that's important for everybody. And that's why I like having a podcast because not, no matter what, there's not one way for everybody. And there's always a ways to learn and there's always different ways to decipher these things. And, I'm just, it, it allows me to become a lot more open-minded to different things. And, and hearing this today was, was really was, was great because I, that perspective is a lot different than I've heard before. So thank you.
1: Well, just know that I am your champion and I am grateful that you would take the time to do this. And for those people who don't know what it takes to put on a podcast, it is a Herculean effort. And so I am very grateful to you for putting this thing on and helping people to be exposed to all kinds of different perspectives and messages that will help them to optimize their life. Thanks for doing that.
0: Thank you, thank you Matthew, I appreciate it. With the last question, always end it with this, the challenges and adversities, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you?
1: I think that the most valuable lesson to me from adversity is that pain and suffering and failure are the process that success is a series of well-managed breakdowns that ultimately a breakdown should be celebrated Yeah. because the bigger the breakdown the bigger the breakthrough typically and when I look into the world what I see is there's a there's a this continuum that's occurring and oftentimes when I'm in breakdown I'm not Realizing like that this adversity, this challenge that I'm experiencing is actually the predecessor to a breakthrough that's coming. It's just a different place in the timeline, you know, creation and destruction. They're the same thing, but just a different state in the process. Mm. Usually destruction comes first. And if we look at anything that gets created, it is essentially destroying things and then reassembling them into something new. So to fear the, the destruction, the adversity, the breakdown, the misery, it actually doesn't work for you. You, you just prolong it. Instead, you embrace it and, and love the breakdown.
0: Love it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, brother. Matthew Ferry, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Please subscribe, leave us a review, share this with a friend, whatever you can do, tag us in a story. It grows when you show the love. So I appreciate you guys. Go check out Matthew Ferry. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Until next time, friends.